Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. Welcome to this edition of the Fun Belt Podcast. My name is Jeremy Harper with HowRazor.com, and with me, as always, is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report and Ben Moore from Panther Talk. Hello, fellas. Welcome aboard. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, Yeah, Dusty and Ben won't be making it tonight, so it's just me, which is fine. Uh, Me is more than enough. So we're going to talk a little bit, not about football, even though we're in the middle of football season, and Arkansas State and Coastal Carolina are getting together on Thursday night for a top AP Top 25 matchup in Jonesboro, which we're very excited about. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about something that we're also very excited about, and that's Arkansas State Red Wolves basketball. With me on the show today is head coach of those Red Wolves, Mike Bellotto. Hey, thanks for joining us on the show, Mike. I know your time is at a premium. Uh, I know we've just begun what uh, the basketball season with practices starting. Uh, I saw online through social media that not only do you have a brand new floor, which is gorgeous, by the way, but uh, you've got some brand new jerseys, too. So the, the team's looking really sharp. Uh, and for a team that's pretty much intact from last year with a couple notable uh, uh, inclusions, can you tell me a little bit about Desi Seals and what he brings to the to the table? Yeah. Well, first, I'll say I'm really happy with um, the way the floor came out. It's beautiful. I love the, you know, the Red Wolf silhouette in the background. We brought the, yeah. the, the state, the old state logo back, which I think is pretty cool. And we have a bunch of that shirts and stuff with that logo on them. So I, I think that's awesome. Kind of a little bit of history back uh, in the basketball arena, which is cool. You know, no, you really please the old timers with that. That's for yeah. sure. They, they are pumped. Yeah, it's cool. And then, you know, Tom Bowen, I give him all the credit for that. He's the one that designed it, you know, the new administrative staff. And then the jerseys, man, I thought it was time to, you know, we, we, I want to always keep kind of this clean look and we just got a different kind of, um, you know, look as far as what the uniform looks like, but it's really, really traditional. You know, I think it's, it's the best thing to do. Not too, not too crazy, but it's, it's, Adidas, one of Adidas's best lines. So we're, we're able to showcase that for them. And then the players look good. So what, what did Deion Sanders say? If you, if you look good, you play good. You play good, you feel good. Or something, something to that effect. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good, right? So if that's true, we're going to be undefeated. Because yeah, the, right. We, <laughs> I appreciate the unis look great. Yeah, uh, yeah, It's one of those things that uh, it's, you know, usually when you, you, you launch some uniforms, it doesn't matter what happens. There's somebody who grouses about it. No grousing. Everybody's just stoked for these uniforms. So uh, that's, that's that's the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> I'm gonna check my. Email. I can deliver that. <laughs> I was I was expecting some like, what can we get this color, that color? But no, it's cool. So we're happy we're able to do that. Um, and we will have a surprise during the season. We'll have a, uh, an alternate set that will come out. 
that we're going to wear as well. So we haven't we haven't broke that out yet, but I'm excited. All right, well, we'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, well, let's get to Desi. So you know, I appreciate you bringing him up. Obviously, he's been a gigantic addition to our program, um, you know, in the last four months. It, it was something that, you know, going in the background of, of Desi when I got here, he was already committed, you know, to the other school when, when I took the job. And um, I saw him play in high school, obviously a ton. He had such a great career. And I was, I was always drawn, drawn to him as, as a person. I thought he was always a great kid. I loved the way he played, hard worker, um, just tenacity on the court, great shooter, you know what I mean? Leadership qualities, all the right stuff that a college basketball player should have. And I followed him at Arkansas. And the only reason I did that was because, no more, I was a fan of him, you know, and number two, I'm a fan of college basketball, and no matter, you know, who's playing, right? So um, when he would come back in the summer, a lot of times he'd find somewhere to play pickup and all that. And I'd let him come in and use our facilities. Like uh, he's a home homegrown kid. You know, he can use a weight room. He can play pickup with our guys when he wanted to. We got to talking every once in a while just to see how he was doing, you know. And, and when I got – we got word when he went in the transfer portal, uh, we obviously reached out right away, you know. And we had good conversations. And, you know, for one reason or another, he decided that Auburn was going to be the first pick after he left Arkansas, which was okay. I mean, like, I'm a Bruce Pearl. I respect him tremendously. He's got a great program, you know. Um, Coach Flanagan, who's there now, is, is, a, is a good friend. So I was happy. But I think dur during the time that he committed to the time that he was about to go to school, I think there was something that didn't go right with academics. I thought, you know, he explained to me that, he wanted to really get his degree. He wanted to really get in a certain area and he didn't want to lose credits. And for some reason or another, you know, Auburn didn't either have that track or didn't have enough transfer, enough credits. The bottom line was when we got the call from mom after he said he wasn't going, I didn't really care what the, what the problem was at Auburn. I just wanted to make sure he knew that we still would love to have him. And uh, he came by and we had a long, long talk um, on campus. It was probably, you know, three or four hours talked about a lot of things and, you know, showed him some things that I think would help him as far as his development as a player and getting back to Desi Seals. I thought in high school and his first year at Arkansas, he was a really, really high level scorer. You know, he, that's something he really loved to do. And in his last two years at, at Arkansas, he wasn't really that, that wasn't his role. And I think he wanted to get back to that. And our system is great for him. You know, we've had three all conference guards in the last four years. Right. We've had three mm -hmm. that have gotten picked preseason and, and that has a lot to do with the hard work those kids have put in, but also the, the system, the way it works, allows guards to be good. Right. And when Desi saw that, um, it attracted him. We had a good relationship. So he decided to come And When you add him to 97 percent of your scoring and 99 percent of your rebounding back, it makes you feel pretty good when you input somebody like that. Well, you know, I want to touch on that a little bit uh, because there was something about the team I noticed last year that was really jelly. The, 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 the year before last, it seemed like we had the Red Wolves had a lot of problems with big scoring droughts, that there'd be eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minute droughts that were at times almost comical. It's like, oh my God, we can't get a basket. Down. Right. Last year, that didn't seem to happen so much. And I think part of that might have been because nor Chad was coming in there and, and he was a, a presence in the middle and was collecting those offensive rebounds and giving us those second chances. And then we had some guys that sort of start coming out from, uh, from the outside making plays too, like uh, Marquise Davis and uh, I was then um, 
and uh, God, who am I thinking of? Malcolm Avery. Farrington. Malcolm yeah, yeah, Farrington and Avery is who I was thinking of. Those two guys could hit from the outside. So we were finding ways to score. We weren't always closing out games, but at least we were finding ways to score. Do you think Desi maybe is that missing piece, that last piece, that that scoring piece that would, would prevent those scoring dr uh, droughts at, uh, uh, entirely? Yeah, well, he would definitely help. You know, you made a great point. I think the year before last, we would miss some shots. And it's going to happen. Look, I never tell guys not to shoot. You know, certain guys can shoot more than others, right? It's always like sure. that. But I never take away confidence from players. And what would happen two years ago was we'd miss, but our second chance points, we, we wouldn't be able to get them back. When you have, a you know, a guy like Norshad O'Meara who is putting back misses, your droughts are a lot less, right? He's, he's a tremendous I think he averages like in uh, uh, two offensive rebounds every like four minutes or something. It's some crazy. And, and then you add guys off the bench. I think key role players are huge in those situations because when you sub guys in and out, somebody's got to step in and make a shot for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what they're in the game for. And I thought Malcolm and Avery, man, at times last year, they would came in and just save this. I, I can remember one game for two, two particularly. At home against Lafayette, it was like a back and forth battle. They were missing, we were missing. They were missing, we were missing. I put Avery in, he scores 11 straight. Boom. Next thing you know, we're up 17 and a half. That's one guy. And then Georgia Southern, it was another two, three-point game, back and forth, back and forth. Then Malcolm bangs home three threes, and all of a sudden, it's we're up nine. You know what I mean? So I think that's a big part of, of having those droughts. And then when you add a really veteran, high-level score like Desi, you never really feel bad about the ball being in any one of those three guards' hands when you talk about Eaton Fields or – or seals because one of those three is going to get your basket at some point. Oh, absolutely. And, and him, him, him playing, you know, at the level he's played at and his confidence and how hard he plays. I think that that would definitely help with, with, with droughts, which I don't think we'll have this year. Mike, you said something about role players, which is a, a great segue to what my next observation slash question was going yeah. to be. Something else I noticed about last year's team was that I, I really felt like everybody knew their role last year and we're executing on that role and some years past we didn't always see that there seemed to be some confusion or people didn't quite know what they, what they were supposed to do last year it seemed like every anybody who came off the bench automatically knew their assignment and role which made me excited for this year because not only are they a year smarter and a year wiser but they don't need to be taught what a new what their new roles is how do you feel about that aspect of the game coming into the season yeah, that's an awesome observation, awesome question. Two years ago, I thought, especially in February, when we had real struggles, we had some guys with um, big egos, and I thought they were trying to do too much. Um, and obviously, you see the, the turnover in roster and why that was and, and why they're not here anymore. Um, last year, we established roles early. You know, we going into conference. You know, non-conference for me in preseason practice and leading up to the first game is a lot for people to show what they can and can't do. And then you kind of put them in their role or say, hey, listen, this is what you're really going to do to help the team, you know. And the, the, the great thing about every single one of those guys is none of them, not one, bucked on what we thought their role would be. As a matter of fact, they agreed with it. Now, I'll give you a great example. Keon Wesley. Keon Wesley started 18, 19 games for us last year. If you look at him, he was probably a great glue to that starting five. Average seven points, five and a half rebounds, had double-double some games, um, flourished when he needed to, but his – role was energy rebounding defense and just not make mistakes. And that's what he did, you know, and Marquise Davis is somebody that was hurt last year. It's going to be a huge, huge player for us this year. And when you look at the roles that those guys established last year, 
Avery and Malcolm were, were, were told to come in and help us in situations that we weren't well in the past, which was shooting. You know, we shot, I think we were top 10 in the country last year in three-point shooting the entire year, you know, and, and Malcolm and Avery and Christian Willis and, and Marquise Eaton were big reasons for that. They took good shots at good times and they really work hard at their game. So when you, when you have guys that star in their role, it really helps you because everybody knows what they're supposed to do. The great thing about our program is we develop people's weaknesses. So this year, you're going to see guys in the same role, but maybe it might be different guys. If, you know, you got six roles, you might be shuffling guys around a little bit because other guys have improved parts of their game, you know, and, and that's the big thing that we've done here is try to improve um, individual skill so they don't have weaknesses. So their role can evolve or their role can stay where they're at or continue to do what they do, but do it better. You know, Mike, that's an interesting way, interesting that you bring that up, because I was going to ask you a little bit about Caleb Fields. He used to be a guy who's a perimeter guy, you know, kind of a fast guy on the on the perimeter who crank up a three pointer when he needed him to didn't always get on the inside. Last year, I don't know what happened, but he bulked up and would just go into inside and take those tough files. I think he led the team maybe in, in collecting files. But yep. I mean, that guy, he, he yep. yeah, I mean, he just really got really tough. Was that one of those weaknesses that you saw as I said, hey, you got to you got to get inside more. We need a bigger inside presence. Yeah, I think really, you know, Caleb's outside game has improved. Right. He I think he settled too much and was really a facilitator his freshman year because he just came in as a freshman and he started every game for me. And he just knew that the guys around him, he tried to make sure he facilitated well as much as he could. But what I tried to talk talk him into throughout that year and then into last year was your speed has got to be an asset. You know what I mean? You're 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 a Ferrari, and what you're doing is you're you're driving in second gear in traffic, which you should, but when when traffic opens up, you gotta hit fifth. You know, you gotta hit fifth gear. And when he does that, he's hard to keep in front. And then we worked on, you know, our strength program and our strength coaches uh, with James Diaz last year and now Shane Lantane have done a wonderful job with him keeping his body weight the same, but his, his um, body fat percentage down. And we've really worked on his control around the basket. I mean, uh, Coach Young and Coach Cruz have done a phenomenal job in our skill development program of teaching him pace and trying to finish, you know, short shots, not getting all the way to the basket and just throwing it up maybe finishing within five feet, within four feet and taking hits and then be, being a better free throw shooter, you know, and he's, you know, the kid works extremely hard, like all the guys do. And he's improved in that area. No question. So I was talking a little bit with Mike Scudero a couple uh, weeks ago after a football game. Right. And, um, and we were talking a little bit about the team and I had mentioned that uh, the size hadn't, uh, we are still not the, the tallest team. And uh, I, I said I said that you had had a comment about the, about uh, you know how Norchad and Antoine was were, were were good rebounders on their own. But Mike actually Scooter made another point. He said in the Sun Belt having a big guy sometimes is a detriment. That the Sun Belt is is more of a speed game, more of a, a placement game. Do you agree with that? That maybe this is this is sort of antiquated thinking on my part that you have to have the big tomato can in the middle. Well, I, I think that it's always good if you can find a, you know, six, nine, six, 10 big that, that, that's skilled, right? I, I, I would yeah. never turn one away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do agree with, with uh, Coach Gutierrez on one point. The Sunbelt, when you look at that, we, we usually talk about the, the four men, you know, the power forwards, right? And every power forward in, in, in our league is basically a six, six athlete. 
You know, you look at Isaiah Smalls and you look at the guys that, um, you know, Michael Flowers played the four for South Al at points last year. You know what I mean? You look at, you know, App State's foreman. You look at Georgia State. Georgia State has two traditional bigs, but they're, they're pretty skilled. So you know, my biggest thing is if you can guard a bigger guy, no matter what size he is, whether it's with strength, speed, right, or just defensive scheme, it, it negates not having a big guy. You know, and when you look mm -hmm. at North Shadow Mirror, you know, he's 6'8", 245 with 5.2% body fat. You know what I mean? I mean, if he does his work early, he's pretty good at getting position and, and not, not being 6'8", hurting him so much, right? And then Antoine Jackson is, is, a, is a load in there. So he does a good job of getting positioning early. And, he, you know, he lays on guys and wears guys out a little bit. And then Keon and Marquise Davis are both 6'9". I mean, they're, they're, they're the same exact height. The, the issue is, you know, Keon's 190. And Davis is, you know, 192, right? So they're yeah. not the biggest guys, but their length helps. You know, they're yeah. quickers, and you can switch, and they can guard guards on the perimeter, and then they can rebound from the perimeter. So, you know, we've kind of orchestrated it where we play very fast. You know, our tempo, points per possession are extremely high. We got like 1.1 points per possession. And when you look at it, we get – we want to get 100 offensive possessions a game, whether that's turnovers or mate or missed baskets or transition – you can't have real slow guys doing that. You know, they're going to end up running three-point line to three-point line, right? Yeah. So we want to be able to get the big guys that can move, but, again, not be a detriment when they're being so small. You know, if you had a 6'6 six, six center and you got to play against Okumba at, at Lafayette, right, yeah. you're going to have an issue. But I think when you, you have strength and scheme, I think you'll be okay. So I don't think our size is really much of an issue. Plus, our, our guards are pretty physical as well. So I think we'll be okay. So a couple months ago, when you were introducing Desi, uh, I did ask you a question about who do we need to look out for this year that we didn't really see this year. And you mentioned one guy that kind of came out of nowhere for me. Lazar, I might, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, Grvovic. Grvovic. <laughs> I guess you're not messing it up. But one of the things you said was there was a language barrier uh, yeah. that kind of prevented some of his growth. He worked on that. You worked on that. And you saw a lot of growth out of him in the last few months. Is he still on track to be uh, putting some uh, quality minutes up? I do. I do think so. Um, Lazar is an extremely hard worker and plays very physical, which is great because really the only person that can guard Norshad in practice, you know, <laughs> is, is Lazar. When him and when, you know, Tuan and, and, and Norshad are playing together in practice, Lazar is really the only other guy that can guard him. And he does the best job, I think, um, in my opinion. You know, he's very skilled. He's played at a high level overseas, so he kind of understands the game. I think language was something bad for him because he just came. He got here He got here in September, and we threw him in the fire. He, had, he got a quarantine for 14 days, and he had to go back and quarantine. Oh, man. He practiced like three days his first month, you know what I mean? So it took him a while to get going. This summer, he's really worked hard on his, on his game and on his body he's listening better you know and and he's doing a much better job of kind of understanding the system and year two we've seen a huge growth in him over the summertime and then the the other one is and I, i'll name another one for you marquise davis is a phenomenal talent right phenomenal talent I, I he had such bad luck he was he had covid he was quarantined contact trace and then was injured he he had a nagging an ankle injury that never got better um, and it just continued to bother him. He made played limited minutes, but he had huge games for us down the stretch. Georgia Southern, he had a great game, played really well against Georgia State. So you can see him coming on. And I'll tell you what, he's been at times in the gym, which is hard to say, but he's been our best player at times in practice. 
Oh, that's awesome. When that's, you know guys like, you know, when you have Desi and Eaton and Fields and Omir and guys like that, Willis, who's been out there for five years, you know, and he's been your best player. I mean, that's 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 pretty good. So I'm really excited about him. He's done he's done a great job. Yeah, that's exciting. The, the I think it was exciting just to hear. Uh, one, it was good to see this, like I said, the team have this consistent uh, ability to play. And they didn't always close out the games, but a lot of those guys were real young. Yep. So, you know, they needed that coaching. They needed that experience. And you could just see it happening. You just knew that they, they just needed some time. So that them all coming back, especially with Marquis coming back to bring yep. that leadership and then Desi to come back to bring that leadership. I mean, that's just gold right there. But another thing I did have noticed about the team isn't necessarily with the players from last year. I know something about you. Um, in years past, I used, to, I used to look for it when I was watching the game. It would be, I called it Volcano Bellotto that he would just get insane after a play or something and just tear stuff up and yell at the refs. I said, here it comes, Volcano Bellotto. Last year, I hardly saw the volcano. It was like, uh, it was dormant. Was there, and I, I suspect there's a, I suspect that there, I, I think I know some of the reasons, but why were you so much calmer that last year and perhaps this year than you were in the years past? <laughs> well, you know what, that, that's the truth. I, I, I have I've grown. <laughs> I think the, the number one thing about last year is I knew at the beginning of the year that we had eight new players. And with COVID, the last thing I needed for my team is to have more adversity. And I, and I think when you as a coach stay calm and know going in that you have so many young guys and knowing the times that we had to practice, I mean, we had 172 practices, 80 plus we were missing our, our entire, you know, somebody on our team. And out of those 80, I think it was 86, 44 of those we were missing three guys or more. I mean, I'm in the best shape. I was in the best shape of my life last year. I was out there running offense and because we didn't have enough guys for practice. Um, so I knew going in, it was going to be something that this team needed somebody patient and somebody to teach them and not lose their mind. Because in the past, We've had guys that have been with me multiple years that I thought would stop making the same mistakes and they continue to. And that's what drove me crazy. When these guys made mistakes, I knew it was purely because of mistakes because they didn't know. The great thing was last year is the best team I've had. And yeah. number one, listening and doing. So you tell them something, they listen and they actually try to do it. And then number two, working off film. I mean, that last year's team, I've never had guys ask so many questions. Now, hmm. remember last year was a little different. We played Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So we couldn't practice saturday before the game we had to like watch film the night before and man i'll tell you you tell them something on film and you make them understand and man they made the adjustment just by watching it and as a coach to be honest with you it makes it a lot easier for me to not lose my mind and then <laughs> at, at the end of the day when you have and this is the honest to god truth when you continue to recruit um better talent it makes it easier you know what i mean when when you recruit better talent and and guys that listen on a consistent basis it's 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 really easier to coach so no I didn't have those time and, and I haven't had it in practice I, I really haven't it, everything has been more geared with the team running it than me getting upset I've had Keese and Desi and you know Fields get on guys more than I have just because they're holding each other accountable and I guess in year five I kind of the growth of the program is where you wanted it to get anyway at the, at the end of the day and and I feel like we're there we just got to like you said go out and close games you know, it sounds like your doctor's going to be applauding this because uh, that's probably good for the blood pressure not to get angry so much. Uh, you know, let's just face it. Last season started, it just sucked. That game against UAPB, that was just a hard 
pill to swallow for a lot of fans. It took some time for the Don't team to. <laughs> yeah, it took probably to yeah, it probably took some time. Yeah, and, and uh, Mike Zero said the same. He he brought it up himself. He said starting off that way was just a bad way to start, and then you could see the team just not really lose a lot of heart. They they just got to put back their shorts and and start working on the game. It's kind of funny to me that you were talking about. Oh, these are young guys. They didn't know any better, and maybe that was the key. They don't know any. They didn't know any better. They're young guys. They're you're optimistic. You got some pretty good leadership on the front end to kind of get them through, but they're just sort of these kids that are, are, are getting onto the court and then they're like, well, you know, UAPB, so what? So how important is it this year to come up with a quick start? Or is it even important? Is it more like, let's just get to conference play and, and continue our business? Well, I'll, I'll say, let's talk about the UAPB game because that's a great example. We lost that game. We weren't playing well. We come back and, and tie the game. And Norshad Omir had 20 points and 18 rebounds that game. And he makes a free throw to tie the game. And then three seconds left. All we got to do is just have him heal up a half-court shot. And I believe with the momentum we had going five more minutes, we win the game. Uh -huh. And what happens, uh, a young man who's played hardly any organized basketball in his entire life, started, picked up a basketball at age 17 and reaches in the backcourt trying to get a steal. And he and they call foul, which was it was a foul. And if if he had more experience, Northside would have known. Hey, listen, just just make him shoot a sixty footer, and we win it in overtime. But what does he try to do? He tries to make up right for the free throw that he missed to win the game. He mm -hmm. only made one to tie the game. So he reaches in the backcourt, try to get a steal so he can be the hero, and he doesn't realize that you can be the hero five minutes later. And that that all comes from experience. I mean, Northside the first time he watched himself on film when we're in a, in a teaching setting was here. When I pulled him in my office and I pulled up our practice on our computer right after we got done with practice, I noticed that I'm trying to teach him. I'm looking at the screen and then I look at him and his face is like this. <laughs> and I said, are you all right? He's like, coach, how did you get that on the computer so fast? You know, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't realize how he just got out the floor and I'm literally showing him 10 minutes ago what he did right sorcery so dark yeah, magic how do you do that you know so you gotta understand it, it you're talking about a young man who needed time to 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 play to make mistakes and fix mistakes in live play you know and the only way to teach him is to not say to him hey you can't do this or you can't do that is like watch yourself here this is what you can't do or this is what you need to do and he learned, you know what I mean? And you can see the growth that he had throughout yeah. the years. Just, it took him understanding. So this year, and I'll tell you and I'll tell everybody, we, you got to tell them, like, there are no excuses coming in and not knowing. I don't want to hear that. If you play a game as best you can and you get beat, that's one thing. That's, that's why you play the game. You're going to play a good team. Look, our non-conference schedule, we'll probably have two ranked teams on the, on the, on the schedule with Texas Tech and Illinois. Yeah. Morehead State was 19-1. and one in their league last year, went to the NCAA tournament. We got them. Air Force has coached Scott back, which was there in the early 2000s, which were very good. We got them. You know what I mean? So we're not playing a cupcake schedule. Like, And then Pine Bluff is going to be better. They got a new coach. They got new players. They got new transfers. So our non-conference schedule was that way for a reason because we had so many guys returning. They know what they need to do and not to, and the mistakes need to be minimal. So to answer your question, am I looking for a quick start every year? 
Am I, am I focused on that? No. The only thing I'm focused on right now is practice on Friday. <laughs> That's it. And we're going to take it day by day and game by game. And our motto is one and oh, we got to go one and oh every day, one and oh every day, one and oh every day. And let's stack up the wins and worry about that later. You know, and I think with this team, they like that mentality because they want to get better every day. And we're going to take one game at a time. And with the veteranship and the people that we have coming back and the experience, I, I suspect we have less mistakes than we did last year at the beginning and more like what we had at the end of the year, winning seven out of the last 10 games. Is what yeah, I that was a good run. That was a, a, an exciting bas- basketball. Uh, it, uh, it was entertaining basketball uh, because most, yeah, I mean, sometimes you, you can have a winning team and they're just boring as hell. This is an exciting team. I think part of it is the chemistry with the guys. They just seem to to have very good chemistry. I remember when I first met you, uh, you had just been hired and we had, we were talking about your past and you were talking a little bit about your Hispanic uh, heritage and your Cuban heritage. And you're saying, well, yeah, my, my, my way with the Hispanic language with Spanish, I'll be able to recruit people that we wouldn't normally recruit. And you know what I did? You may not have seen it, but I kind of rolled my eyes. I said, yeah, okay, whatever, you know? Ended up with one of the biggest recruits that we've had in a very long time. How did you end up getting Norchad? I mean, what what was that process? How did you get? How do you even know he existed? Well, so relationships for me are very big. Um, I think that as a coach, when you recruit players from certain programs, and even the years that you don't, you got to continue to make sure that you reach out to those coaches, let them know that. You know, you're still thinking about them and want to know, even though you don't have a player for him and being honest with them, you know, in the recruiting process and just growing through the business. You know, he played at his his the way he kind of got here was his his mentor, Wesley Savory, was actually a Nicaraguan that played college basketball in the States, Division Two, then went over and played pro and has been very involved in growing the sport in the country. And in Bluefields, Nicaragua, which is one of the small coastal villages, war travels. They call him, hey, this is kid here who just started playing. He's got a wonderful gift. You got to come watch him play. And this young and this guy um, went on his own reconnaissance and watched him play and said, wow, he needs to leave the country and get somewhere where that's better basketball, better teaching, better competition, that, that kind of deal. So all of a sudden, one of the guys that he played for in Miami, who was my mentor growing up, who I've recruited guys in the past with, all my career, who helped me get in the business, Art Alvarez, who's had a hundred players go to Division One. We're very close, and he always has a camp for Hispanic kids. It's what he does. He has a camp every summer, and kids from all over the world—Colombia, Chile, Argentina, Nicaragua, Costa Rica—I mean, they're from everywhere. Two weeks, three hundred kids, and he gives them a chance to get some exposure and then get a good evaluation of who they are. Well. It took about two days, and Art was like, he coaches a school down there. He says, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're staying right here because I think you have a talent to play Division One." And he immediately called me and said, Mike, nobody knows about him. He's a special player. He's going to get looked at by a lot of schools. But I want you to get the first inside track because I think you being Hispanic can really help him. I think – him understanding and me speaking the language with him in his first year gave him an opportunity to play a lot, but also gave him an opportunity to learn quicker. You know, there was times last year in the huddle when I was like, all right, everybody, listen, we're running four down. You're going to go screen here. And I say, 
Northside, tú tienes que venir para acá. I say, and I didn't have to worry about like translating it. <laughs> I just said it in English, said it in Spanish, and then uh -huh. boom. You know, and I think for him, it was an, an asset, you know, because at times yeah. when he didn't understand something, he would ask me in Spanish and I could tell him quicker. It was just easier for him to comprehend. And I think his growth that way helped. And, you know, R called me. I trusted him because he has so many guys that he's coached that have played. And then his mentor, Wesley, was such an advocate for his character, talking about his play and his character. And when you when I watched him play against IMG, he had 41 points and 17 rebounds. Hmm. And then I said, that's really, really, that's really impressive. But then it hit me, he's only played basketball organized for three years. <laughs> three years. He picked up a basketball mm -hmm. at 16, 17 years old. Uh, what's his ceiling? You know what I mean? So I knew he was going to be good. Now, freshman of the year, <laughs> maybe, because I didn't know how everybody else stacked up. Yeah. First team all league. I mean, wow. I mean, that that's something that he's grown. He's done that. That's all the hard work he's put in. So You know, it was that was a story. I think it's just through relationships and being honest with people and trying to respect them, you know, and them re them respect you and just getting that that lucky phone call. Recruiting is about talent, seeking talent, knowing character and luck. Yeah, really uh, yeah. Cool. and They're maybe really having cool. a few friends along the way that can point you to the right guys. Right? People, people say that you know, <laughs> hey, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell wasn't even ranked in the top 100, right? And yeah. Coach Patino's son gets a call from somebody up at Brewster and says, hey, there's a kid you need to look at. We go look at him, and now he's making $188 million. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's luck sometimes. It really is. But if you don't if you don't respect the people that are telling you that information or if you just dismiss it, a lot of kids fall through the cracks, and we try not to do that. We try to follow up on every kid. And 80% of the time, they're probably not good enough. But if that one time I say, yeah, you know, he's he's only played basketball for three years. He's really six, seven and a half. He's only, you know, he's from Nicaragua. Like, eh, I don't know. That would have been a really big mistake. Well, congratulations for dunking on my eye roll there because uh, I was I was skeptical. You know, I was like, okay, he's from Nicaragua. That's great. That's a great story. Is he going to be great on the court? And he has been. It's been a joy to watch, and it's been a pleasure to watch. You, we had Scott Cross of uh, Troy, uh, UTA guy for a long time, come over to Troy. And we we're talking to him on Monday uh, about Troy, of course, but we also talked about the Sun Belt. Uh, who he thought was was going to be good. And to my surprise, he thought everybody was going to be good. And he made a good point about all the super seniors are coming back. So there's all the, this great experience. How, what's your thought on the league right now? And what do you think the season's going to be like? Yeah, I, I think, look, I have a lot of respect for all the coaches and the programs in the league. You know, we recruit against a lot of them a lot. And There, there are some in this league that that negative recruit. I've never said anything negative about another coach or another program because they're all good they really are we have wonderful coaches and high level players the Sun Belt is very very underrated for basketball they need to do a better job the league needs to do a better job of promoting the players in this league it's embarrassing yeah. and it's ridiculous and I'll say it and I'll say it again and I don't care what they think because <laughs> you have guys in this league that are high level players you have a lot of guys that have transferred out and gone to high level programs and been good you have guys that are still in this league like Northside O'Meara who is a marketing guy's dream yeah. he's the first Nicaraguan player to ever sign a division one scholarship he's a first team all league freshman of the year and the Sunbelt has put nothing out on him over the summertime even what he did in FIBA it's an embarrassment it really <laughs> is it's like it's like embarrassing how bad that is but anyway I'm going to say that every coach in this league 
is good because the Sunbelt has always been an older league. It's always been a transfer league. You always got guys coming in, whether it's JUCO or fifth year guys. Um, so every year you got new players. So like, give me an example. I think like, I think we're going to be really good. Of course, we got a lot of guys back. I'm a little biased because I see them every day. Georgia State, Georgia State's got everybody back. Mm-hmm. They went to the Sunbelt Championship. App State won it, went on a run, got everybody back. Lafayette got four new transfers, plus they have Akuma back, and they got three starters, two starters back. Then you got South Alabama, no, Coastal Carolina, who lost the player of the year, but got a, a St. John's transfer and a couple other guys. Then you have South Al, who got seven transfers, all high major transfers, who, whether good or bad, where they were before, they were there for a reason, so they got to be talented. Scott is a phenomenal coach, in my opinion, top three in the league. And then he's had now three years now to build his personnel. You know, Coach Richard has all their top four scores back in at, at Monroe. I mean, you know, Texas State has everybody back and they won the league. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, who do you pick? Like, I, I don't I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I think that if you ask me, you know, top five when in no particular order. You got to include Georgia State. You got to include us. You have to include Texas State. You have to include Lafayette, and you got to include App State because they want it. It's my opinion. And then in the outside six at five and a half, you know, punching the guys up. You have South Isle, who's very talented, and then you got Scott, who's got a good team at Troy. Yeah. And you got Coastal, who's you know always competitive. So I don't always know. Competitive and a bit of a mystery. It's like Coastal's so far away when to basketball I know. you don't know who they are until you finally make that trip and you see them and you go yeah. oh my god these guys have some and if they've got i forget the name of his ah, i suddenly forget the name of the coach but i know he's a, a an auburn legend Cliff, Cliff Ellis. Cliff yeah Ellis. yeah been around forever so it, it my favorite coach in the league by the way oh really cliff ellis okay not, not even close <laughs> i said i was sitting next to him because it's like arkansas state and then like Coastal, we did it in alphabetical oh, order. I mean, yeah, schools, I always sit next to him in the sun in the spring meetings, and he had he had the best one-liners and he had the best advice of all time. You know what yeah. I mean? And learning from a guy like that was so much fun. I have so much respect for him. And I, I do all the coaches, I really do. But Coach Ellis has been around for so long. You want to pick the old guys' brains. You know what I mean? They've, there's a reason why he's been coaching for thirty some years. Did he so, give you some kind of advice that you can share, or is that something that's going to be a top secret for the uh, for the season? Well, uh, you know what he told me. He said, Mike, the game changes, you change. That's all I got to tell you. <laughs> is that your Ellis impersonation? Yeah. It's a, he's a much, <laughs> I have a much better one, but he's his coach. Mike, the game changes, you change. So yeah, let's go play some golf. You know what I mean? I love him. He's, he's a great <laughs> Well, I do enjoy the, the impersonation. You are now the rich little of Sunbelt, which puts me, actually ages me quite considerably. So I kind of wish now that I didn't even mention that. But Mike, I want to express my gratitude for you coming onto the show. We're trying to interview as many uh, Sunbelt basketball coaches as we can. We want to have you on the show because we're very excited about the team. We we think uh, the Sunbelt season is actually going to be very good. Uh, Something that's going to be some must-see TV and hopefully must-watch at the court. Let's hope that we don't have any COVIDs uh, causing any problems this year. Mike, is there any parting shot that you want to give to us or are we good? No, I just want to say thank you again for for the opportunity. I love talking about my team, and I really love talking about the league. You know, I I I love the, the coaches. I think they're high level. 
I think the programs are high level. And to be quite honest with you, they need to get better um, exposure. And it, yeah, it really- you know, I agree 100%. And it's not just in basketball. It's, a, it's all sports across. Uh, yeah. there, there's for some reason there, uh, the Sun Belt's just a little bit too uh, modest about its its stars and about its programs. And I, I we've talked to uh, to uh, Commissioner Gill, and he's a dynamic guy. And I, I kind of wish that he would use some of that that charisma. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> look, look, listen, Keith is great. You know, he's a yeah. good leader, and and he's got a good administrative team around him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm thinking that I hope that they realize that with the star power that the league has, top to bottom. Because you look at this league every game, I don't care where you go, it's a tough game, you know, and and I think the respect the league deserves, forget the individual teams or individual coaches, it's the league as a whole really, really needs to get more exposure in basketball, you know what I mean, because we got to start being that league that people are talking about outside of the, you know, power five or the power six or whatever you want to call them now. Um, you know, it, need, it needs to be something that we that, that we get talked about. So, but I, I, listen, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate it, man. And I'm working hard every day for the school. You know, I um, I'm very proud of being the head coach here, and I just want to continue to make strides in the right direction and, and bring a championship here, like we've always talked about. Arkansas State head coach Mike Bellato, thanks for being on the show, and we look forward to the season. And we also look forward to having you back on the show when you're a top uh, tier our top seeded uh, uh, program entering the Sun Belt Tournament. See ya. Appreciate <laughs> you, man. Have a good day. You too, Mike.